Welcome to Indigitus Coffee Talks, a space for live conversations with interesting people from all over the world. And what they have in common is their passion for Jesus, stories, and digital ideas. Jesus called us to go, but knowing the first step to take can sometimes be a struggle. Indigenous offers easy ways for every believer to get involved in sharing the gospel so that the church rises up to her mission to help bring the gospel where it's not. In each episode of Coffee Talks, we introduce you to someone who's passionate about using their digital footprint to help bring the gospel to where it needs to go. Through these conversations, we want you to catch a story, grab an idea, and go do something. So today, Simon's not with me, and while he's enjoying his break, I am joined by my incredible co-host who inspires me to unlimit my faith in seeing God's impact in the world. She's also hosting the Hero Makers Movement podcast, a series which inspires all of us through storytelling and training to make the most of every opportunity to make our world better. She's also the project lead for the recent hashtag, and she's currently based in Canada. Let's welcome Anne. Hi, Jonah. I'm so glad to be with you. This is such an honor. Thank you so much. All right. So um, it's my pleasure to introduce our um, episode guest speaker today, uh, York Moore. So York Moore is a speaker, revivalist, abolitionist, and TikToker. Uh, you can find him on his handle at york.moore on TikTok. He's currently serving as National Evangelist and Executive Director, Catalyt Catalytic Partnerships for InterVarsity USA. He is the co-founder of the Every Campus Movement, a coalition of organizations and churches seeking God for revival. He is the author of several books, including Seen.Known.Loved. And uh, you can look to his website, direct.me forward slash York Moore for more. He is a thought leader, a conference speaker, an author, and an innovator. He's sharing the story of the gospel um, there and has more than 208,000 followers and 2.7 million likes. So I'm excited about our conversation together. Yes. Yeah. Welcome, York. Well, thanks for having me on. Good morning here from the United States. <laughs> All right. So why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself? How did you become follower of Christ? And tell us about how you were able to serve in this space where God has called you. Yeah, well, when we were growing up, uh, we were homeless for much of my childhood, going in, in and out of homelessness on the streets of Detroit, Michigan, here in the U.S. And uh, my parents were atheists. They were followers of an atheistic philosopher named mm -hmm. Ayn Rand. <clears throat> Ayn Rand. <clears throat> I'm actually named after that, off, that uh, <clears throat> atheist. My first name is Rand, but no one calls me that. So we had a barrel on the side of our house when we weren't homeless for burning Bibles. We had a sign on the front of our home that said the Moors, the atheists. And when I went to the University of Michigan, uh, my nickname in my fraternity was Satan because I persecuted Christians and wrote papers against Christians. Ooh. So me becoming a Christian was kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a Saul to Paul conversion story. And the short of it is when I went to university, I uh, became uh, very much in love with philosophy. I became an honor student in philosophy and psychology, focusing on research methodologies and statistics and um, did my honors work there as well. 
But it was during my third year uh, as an undergraduate student that I became convinced that if there is no God, there is no transcendent purpose, there's no meaning, and really suicide really should be uh, on the table. It should be an option. And so I, I decided that I would kill myself. Uh, it was mm -hmm. a rational decision. It wasn't because I was depressed or upset or anything like that. It's if there's no God, it doesn't matter if you live a day or 100 million years. When you die, you cease to exist. So I was a nihilist at the time. And uh, but I thought, you know, what if I'm wrong? Just what if? What if I don't have all the data? Or what if my data is skewed or my perception is skewed? And so I read the Bhagavad Gita. I read the Upanishads. I read the Quran. I read the portions of the Bible. I sat down with people of faith and interviewed them, asked questions. And none of those <clears throat> really seemed to provide the answers that I was seeking for. So I decided that I would kill myself. Hmm. Wow. So the uh, Christmas Eve, uh, I was sitting in a movie theater watching the L Little Mermaid cartoon, the Disney cartoon. <laughs> and I had just gotten done praying because I thought, well, maybe God can speak for him or herself. And uh, I prayed, God, if you're there, show me. I want to know, I want to know that you're real. And I didn't feel like God answered. And I'm sitting here watching this cartoon in what I thought was a Christian nation on the verge of a national Christian holiday. And um, all of a sudden I had this atheistic epiphany. There is no God. There's only the Little Mermaid. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, a Buddhist, an uh, atheist. We're all in the same movie theater watching the same meaningless cartoon. And there is no God. There's just the Little Mermaid. So I decided that I'd kill myself. So I decided to uh, <clears throat> drop my fiance off and my plan was to kill myself by smashing my car on the viaduct near my home. And as I got that twisted sense of courage to kill myself, fully meaning to kill myself, aiming my car at this viaduct uh, on the freeway, in that moment of decision, the presence and the power of God flooded my vehicle. So you might remember the old, old song, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm the inspiration for that. <laughs> I should be getting royalty checks, but they haven't shown up in the mail yet. Uh, but in that moment of decision, the Spirit of God saved me and got me home that night, Christmas Eve. And mm -hmm. I fell asleep in a cold sweat. I woke up in a cold sweat. And for the first time in my life, I prayed a prayer of desperation. I said, God, if that was you last night, I need to know right now because I'm still going to kill myself. It wasn't enough that I was saved from suicide. I, I was still convinced that there was no God and there was no meaning. So I walked into the next room and my two older brothers were also home from college. And one of them had brought the a picture frame of the poem, Footprints in the Sand. And it's a simple story about how God is with us, maybe even carrying us when our, we are at our lowest, when life is at its most difficult. And I had read it before. It didn't really mean much. But as I'm reading this, I heard the voice of the living God. Uh, clearer than I'm hearing your voice from the Philippines and from Canada here today, I heard the voice of God saturating my soul. And God said three things that changed my forever. He said, number one, I do exist. And number two, I'm the reason why you exist. And so for a philosopher, those were the only two data points that I really needed because everything else would be a derivative. If God exists and I'm the reason why I, I, I'm, he's the reason why I exist, then meaning and purpose are found in him and whoever he or she or it is, I need to obey them. Uh, but the third thing really shocked me and blew me away and sent me to the other room in tears he said, I'm the one who kept you from killing yourself last night. And I didn't know who this God was, but I knew that he cared about me. He intervened in my story. He loved me. So in tears, I ran into the other room and said, God, if you can take my life and make anything out of it from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. 
I still didn't know that it was Jesus until that night. I had sat down with a pastor friend to interview him for Christianity a few weeks uh, prior, and he gave me a bunch of books, and I chose the smallest book because I was on break between semesters. I didn't want to read the big books, and it told me about sin and how I was separated from God because of sin and how Jesus Christ died on the cross to, to, to provide the cleansing and the cure for my sin sickness. And through the power of his resurrection, I could have newness of life if I would confess him as my leader or my Lord. And so that night, that same message that I read in that book was the same voice that was speaking to me in my soul. And I slipped down on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus that night. Wow. Praise God. Wow. I'm so glad. Um, really, God has had a hand on your life, obviously, York. Um, and it's obviously not popular with your family. So, then, you know, it was definitely yeah. <laughs> had to be something extraordinary to speak to you. And so specifically, that's really awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you share us more about like, like I'm, I didn't, uh, it is a, it's a great, it was a great way of like how God is really showing up for you, like in spaces where, where he's really met you, like mm -hmm. very, very specific very, very specifically, like he, he is the one that has been talking to you. Um, so how were you able to start in this space, like where, where God has called you? Like how were you able to find about intervarsity? And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so when I graduated, I, uh, I gave up on my hopes and dreams of being a scientific philosopher. I was gonna go to MIT to do my PhD work. And then instead I decided that I would start a business. So I started a business and uh, began investing and in doing all of those kinds of activities. But at the same time, I was also doing volunteer ministry. I started a, a college ministry in my church. I started a college ministry on a campus. I was kind of a serial starter and very excited about uh, preaching. And so I started preaching at an early age in Christ. And uh, after a couple of years of doing the business, business was going well. I just sensed that God's best for me was really to focus 100% of my time on, uh, on professional vocational ministry. And so I was financially supporting uh, the staff worker for InterVarsity that had discipled me as a new believer. And I just told him, I said, hey, listen, I think God might be speaking. He said, well, why don't you come on staff with InterVarsity as a volunteer and see if, if this is the way that the Lord is leading? Well, it didn't, it didn't take long. I mean, once you get a taste for working with college students, uh, it's intoxicating. Just seeing the questions that they're asking, the time of life that they're in, the strategic nature of the university, so I was hooked. And so I, I, I told my clients and I was running a stats department at a marketing research firm at the time as well. And I told my, my boss, listen, I'm going in a different direction. And it's funny because mm -hmm. he, he was a Christian. He said, well, I was wondering you're, when, when you're going to get around to this. I said, oh. what do you mean? He said, well, you've already evangelized all my employees. Your work here is done. Uh, here's, here's a check. I'll be your first supporter. And so he, he supported me for 20 something years before he uh, he went on to be with the Lord. And so mm. you know, it's just been an incredible ride. I've been with InterVarsity for 27 years. Uh, I've been the national evangelist now for about 15 of those years. And um, just really thankful to God for this this journey that I'm on. Praise God. Yeah. Thank for your boss, who is so encouraging. We really need, obviously, that also speaks to the fact that we don't do this alone. You know, yeah. not only is with God with us, but we have the the community of believers and the saints around us that that come around and cheer us on and support us. So that's my amazing. Mm, wow. I agree. 
So then, um, so you've been the national evangelist for 15 years, which is incredible. So you do um, mostly, well, a hybrid basically of like in-person evangelism. Like how does that work? Or are you like more training people to do evangelism? And then also um, love to start moving into what you're doing currently. Yeah, so most of what I have done before the pandemic um, you know, partnering with organizations across the United States to do very large evangelistic campaigns like uh, Together, where we had uh, 300,000 people at the Washington uh, Mall in D.C. and you know, small events on campuses, you know, speaking to undergraduate students and anything in between. So the term national evangelist is an honorary role that was given to me by the board of InterVarsity USA. And I spend about 90% of my time entirely outside of the organization, preaching at churches and running a coalition called the Every Campus uh, Coalition, which is a coalition of 85 organizations that are seeking God for revival. Uh, we do a lot with big data. We, we partner with a big data analytics company here in the U.S. called Glue. Uh, and we, using that data in partnership with them, we physically on-site prayer walked 4,200 campuses, every single college campus in America. Uh, we have prayer walked and we're leveraging the coalition of 85 organizations to uh, engage the approximately 1800 campuses that currently don't have a gospel witness on them. But I think if there's one thing that the, that the pandemic has taught everyone, uh, it doesn't matter what size church organization, we all knew that digital was, was always going to be a part of ministry strategy. But I think for most leaders, they felt the need to prioritize the relationship between physical and digital. And now during the camp, during the COVID pandemic, we now realize that we're, we're, we will forever be in what we call a fidgetal space, meaning that we need to see our physical in-person gatherings, churches, you know, conferences, uh, Sunday worship uh, in concert with what's happening in digital spaces. And one actually serves the other and vice versa, that we don't actually play one at the expense of the other. And so for some organizations, this is a very difficult learn, uh, learning path. For others, it's a seamless, um, a seamless learning path. In InterVarsity, during the pandemic, we started planting uh, gospel ministries using Instagram, you know, uh, gathering students you know, using Instagram, direct messaging them, when we found out that they were on a campus, inviting them to virtual Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And now this has become kind of the air that we breathe in the United States. Many organizations are doing this play. Uh, as an evangelist, I hopped on TikTok uh, just this past July. So it's been about seven, eight months now for me because I was just so sick and tired of waiting for things to go back to quote unquote normal. This is normal. This is the new mm -hmm. normal. And so I had to figure out a way to actually preach uh, the gospel to large numbers of people using digital means. So I, I, I was always on, I'm an early adopter um, when plat with platforms and technology, and, but I'm old, you know, I, my, my, I remember when I was the only one who had a computer in my community, I was the only one who had a pager, and then I was the only one who had a cell phone, and then I was the only one who mm -hmm. had a Facebook, and you know, and then I just have, have migrated along with the technology and the platforms, but I never really saw social as a place to do serious ongoing ministry until TikTok. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll just tell you this, uh, you know, there isn't a morning that I wake up where I don't have hundreds and most of the time thousands of comments 
uh, on my recent posts where people have prayed to receive Jesus, where they are telling me their faith story. I just got a message uh, yesterday from a young man uh, who told me three days before that he was getting baptized because he heard the gospel on my TikTok. And then he messaged me yesterday, I'm baptized, now what do I do? So oh, wow. it's just an amazing thing. I, I've seen people come to Christ in Canada and Latvia, South, South Africa, all over the world. Uh, most of my followers are here in the United States uh, because of the way the algorithm operates. But here's the reality, right? So we are never going back to the old world and thank God. When is the last time an evangelist could preach the gospel in her sleep and wake up to comments like that simply because their library is being viewed all over the world. That's an incredible gift. And I'm going to step into that as long as it's uh, that door is open. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like I only I only hear that comment, like um, make your uh, like when is that? I, li I like that quote, York, of what you said, like when was the last time that an evangelist sleeps and wakes up to those kinds of comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I know that you have shared a little bit about, about some stories, right? But like, um, I just want to be able to, I just want to ask you this question. Like, where do you see God work as you engage with your audiences on these platforms that you're in? So if I can get a little philosophical, I would say that, um, and I know some of this conversation is going to be more of a, a Western reality, but that's where I live. And so I'm sharing out of my context, but the reality is that with early millennials, um, early millennials are, you know, people who were pre-COVID, pre-Trump, pre-Christian nationalism, pre-Ferguson Floyd. Um, those early millennials had what I call borrowed religious baggage from their extra parents. They were suspicious of the church, uh, and yet they were passionate about global issues. They were passionate about social justice. And we in InterVarsity saw an exponential increase of our ministry during those early millennial days. Um, we saw a doubling of our workforce. We saw the largest numbers of conversions in all of InterVarsity's 80-year history. It was a phenomenal time. And then the world changed. Uh, and then, you know, we had uh, Christian nationalism and Trumpism, and we had the COVID and uh, you know, racial unrest and all kinds of things. And so there are what I call late millennials who have experienced a very different, less idyllic world. They're, they are far less ideologically driven and more worried about their own personal protection. And right on their heels now, we're welcoming Gen Z onto the campuses. And I'll tell you right now that this is the greatest opportunity evangelistically that we've seen in the United States in, in generations. A Gen Z doesn't have borrowed get baggage. They don't have religious trauma. They don't have many of the suspicions and worries and concerns of their older counterparts. Uh, and so the explosive growth that I'm seeing on TikTok, I can tell you is being replicated all over the United States. There is, I believe, the beginning of a revival happening. I'll give you an illustration. My 19-year-old daughter, uh, when she was 16, she got involved with a ministry that we partner with quite a bit called the Circuit Riders. Uh, it's a Gen Z ministry, evangelistic ministry. And um, at the age of 18, she tells me, Dad, I'm not going to college. I'm not going to nursing school. I'm going to run off and join the Circuit Riders. And uh, I have to raise my support. And so she went to raising her support. And she left the house at the age of 18. She's been gone for a year and a half now. She comes in and out of the home. But She's on the road. She's preaching at the age of 19 on college campuses without a degree. 
uh, that's not the way of InterVarsity. And so, but I'll tell you that circuit riders, One Voice, Jesus Clubs, uh, there are a number of very, very large brand new ministries that are taking our high schools and our colleges by storm because Gen Z is so ready and open for the gospel. And where digital comes into that is that digital is the first step. It's not a support step for Xers and late or early millennials. The digital was a support step. The digital was how we, we, we maintained relationships. For Gen Z, digital is the way we forge those relationships and it's how we advance the kingdom. So it's just a very, very exciting time. I know that that's probably not going to ring true uh, for some of our, uh, our our listeners, but that's what I'm seeing here in the United States, and it's just an incredible, incredible thing to witness. So you're you're saying like basically, digital is is the door, is the front door, is the initial contact. Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Do you also think like just on like the spiritual, uh, I guess context of of gen z do you think it's because they are unchurched because they don't have a background in christianity and don't have you know what i mean and so, so the trauma or the the damage that the church potentially has done i mean can you tell us more about that yeah so when i write my tiktoks and i i do write them i know that most people don't but i script my tiktoks simply to keep myself out of trouble. It's easier than ever to say the wrong thing. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're, uh, you're canceled. And so I script my TikToks, which doesn't take long, but I write them for 14 year old Nick. And he's an imaginary guy who lives in my head. And 14 year old Nick has just been picked up by his mom uh, from school. He's sitting in the back seat and he's on his way to some extracurricular activity, soccer, football, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's watching softcore porn on TikTok. Uh, when he's alone in his room, he'll jump over to Pornhub, which has ruined a generation. And the addiction to porn is absolutely staggering. And it's, it's not just young boys anymore. It's uh, many of my followers are, are young girls who have uh, become addicted to porn. Uh, you know, these kinds of things, which pornography is a gateway for satanic powers and forces the powers of the evil one works through pornography and they're dealing with these kinds of issues and yet there's something in them that knows that it's wrong well no one told them that in fact everyone is telling them that it's right there's something in them that tells them that it's wrong to gossip to cheat to lie to steal to be prideful to be arrogant and so what does the word of god tell us the law is our tutor that leads us to christ so, you know, if you look at my quote unquote platform preaching, it's very nuanced. It's very artistic. It's a different expression. When I go on TikTok, it's very raw, very basic. You have 60 seconds or less. Um, and I'm teaching basic, basic do doctrine. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is sin? What is hell? Why does God send people to hell? What is the lake of fire? Who is the devil? These are questions that you wouldn't think uh, would garnish 200,000 followers in seven months. But that's what's happened. And why? Because there's something inside a generation that knows this is the truth, that recognizes, resonates with it, and desires that. Their parents aren't teaching this, them uh, these things. But there's something in them that the living God has deposited. He's put his image in them. And there's something about these truths that are resonating in their hearts. Wow. So what I hear is that there is 
that God has put that innate in them, that, that truth. And so they do, if they're listening, you know, then they can follow that towards God and it leads them towards God. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that's by design. I mean, that's what we see throughout the whole New Testament. You know, think about think about Paul, think about Peter, think about these the great first missionary expansion. And they are going to people who are truly pagan. I mean, absolutely pagan. No reminiscent, uh, nascent memories of gospel witness because the gospel is brand new. It's news. Uh, and, and yet, even in those populations, there was something in the heart of women and men that knew that it was the truth, gravitated toward it. And so wouldn't it be the case in, in, in a new generation, in a new time, that the Holy Spirit would use a technology like TikTok or Instagram or YouTube Shorts or whatever it is at our disposal to reach into the bedroom in the back seats of these kids' lives with a gospel that connects with who they've been created to be? Yeah, like the what the this the phrase that just resonates with me right now is uh, what we usually say like meet like going where people are, and like this is like the time of like as York has been saying like each generation there is really something that the living God has put inside each heart and like for for them to kind of like navigate towards seeking seeking the Lord, and uh, yeah I. Like that, that example or like that representation of what is happening in your TikTok account is is really like a, an affirmation to that space where there's God is the one that's that's putting <clears throat> the real need. Like there's always that um, manifestation in any way in any generation. And right now it's digital because because of all the things that's happening because of the pandemic and like with the generation of today with like what we call them like the digital natives, right? Like they they literally had their minds open and like everything is already on their on their on their mobile phones yeah. <laughs> as yeah. opposed as opposed to like a millennial who's like transitioning into like what it was doing things manually and you know like having them automated and stuff like that mm. yeah so well said. york i'd love to hear some stories of the impact like what do you what have you seen and why TikTok? and is this helpful <laughs> yeah well, when I jumped on July 5th, I remember the, the very first day I posted, um, I had my first post, it had 2,000 views. And I'm like, well, that's not normal. On other platforms, that can't be real. Like, I just couldn't believe that was real. So, you know, I started studying the algorithm. I started, uh, you know, studying other successful Christian TikTok accounts. And I, I started learning what, you know, what the algorithm wanted or needed uh, you know, in order for a video to appear on people's for you page. And so if you're unfamiliar with how that works, you know, probably 80 to 90% of the people who are viewing my video posts are actually, um, you know, they're not my followers. I'm appearing on their for you page, or maybe they are my followers, but the algorithm is, is keeping my content live in front of them. And, you know, every month I would look at my followers, which isn't my main concern. My main concern isn't followers. In fact, 200,000 followers, I'm, I still consider myself a baby TikToker. Uh, I'm discipling a couple of young guys uh, who have one, two million followers, and they're 19, 22 years old. And they're preaching Christ on, on TikTok. And, and their, their average weekly engagement with these, uh, with, with these people are 8 million people. You know, so it's an exponential engagement beyond your followers. Your followers aren't the true metric of impact. My metric as an evangelist 
is whether or not a person is praying to receive Jesus and taking those first steps into a relationship with him. And so most of my posts have a prayer on screen and, and verbal and it's transcribed. Uh, and people pray the prayer and they tell me they prayed the prayer. I asked them to put that in the comments. And over the last seven months, uh, I've had over 100,000 people uh, say that they've prayed the prayer. Now, I know that all of those 100,000 people aren't real first time believers, but let's be, let's be highly conservative and say 10%. So 10,000 people have prayed the prayer from places like Latvia and South Africa and Canada and the United States and many other places. Uh, that's an incredible impact. The ROI on that for the amount of money that I've invested, which is zero, uh, is there's nothing else like that. So I think it's an opportunity and, you know, today it's TikTok, who knows tomorrow. I mean, if you might remember something called MySpace way back in the day, but you know, platforms come and go, but my guess is that we're actually just seeing the beginning of TikTok. TikTok is really at the beginning of its life cycle and it is the best time to jump on now. For some people listening, they don't have TikTok, Bangladesh, Indonesia. There's significant uh, restrictions in places like Abidjan, uh, you know, in uh, Armenia and other places. Pakistan doesn't have TikTok, uh, you know. But where it's available, it is the platform uh, of of choice, in my opinion, because it's where the organic growth is. It's where the opportunity is, and praise God, it is a. It's you know, all digital spaces are a mission field. And uh, this particular one just seems to be the one that's connecting with the most, uh, the most people, uh, at least in my context. Wow, I, I love that, what you said. Um, so with all the people listening right now and those who'd like, who's just thinking, you know, like how to reach out to those that they really, really resonate with, what's one thing that you'd like to inspire our listeners about as we close our time now? When you think about the introduction of new technology, the printing press and what that did for the expansion of the gospel, print media, mass print media through newspapers, when you think about radio, when you think about television, when you think about the internet itself as a construct and then all of the iterations or expressions through social media, every time there's a technological jump, every single time you see a great expansion of the gospel. And what a, what a day we live in where as missionaries of the living God, we don't have to spend four years at a Bible school, although there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good, good thing for many people to do. And I wish more people had Bible knowledge. You don't have to raise exorbitant amount of money uh, or even learn a foreign language, although cultural skills and language skills are in short order. But we live in a, we live in a day where you can become a missionary today. When I created a TikTok account on July 5th, I became a missionary in a digital space. And that has changed my life. I mean, I'm changing lives, but my life changed. My life changed. It forced me back into the word to study and examine basic things that, you know, I had left in my early discipleship journey. It, it changed my posture in terms of my understanding of Gen Z. It changed my the way in which I engage uh, difficult conversations in di digital spaces, which are different. One of the one of the great things that I love seeing is uh, when you have somebody who is very very hard resistant to the gospel. I had one guy, you know, uh, drop a swear word. Uh, he said "f God." And I said, "Oh, that's a that's a pretty harsh thing." Well, I did a whole post talking about his passion, and you know, he didn't just scroll by. He he actually left a curse word for his heavenly father and how God loved him and God wasn't mm -hmm. his enemy. And 
I had thousands of comments underneath that, that, uh, you know, from Christians who were, you know, reaching out to him in love, encouraging him. Uh, another guy who did the same thing, he actually ended up, you know, repenting. And so what a great opportunity when we have the ability through digital spaces to cross oceans, cross cultures, cross generations for the sake of the gospel and see lives change, real lives change on the other side of a screen. It's an incredible thing. That's amazing that you say that, I mean, obviously you're changing people's lives, but you are also being changed. So this is not just a one way directional thing, but it's actually a, a mutual um, growth and like blessing. So that's awesome. Mm. All right, well, um, <laughs> Jonah, over to you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much, yours. If you wanna get to know York more and uh, York more, York Moore. <laughs> so you can find him on all on social all, on all channels. Uh, his uh, handle is at York Moore. And you can also uh, get to see his TikTok at York.Moore. So thank you so much, York. This has really been a great time. And I've really learned a lot from, from, yeah. from these conversations. York. We are so blessed that you are here with us. And really, massive blessings, peace, and joy as you continue your, your ministry. Thank you, sisters. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome, Jonah. Um, yes. As you can see, I've been like, notes. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, I think more than more than getting to hear your geek out on all of those platforms and like um um, his experience being in marketing and being able to jump into like the evangelism space, um, but I think the the highlight for me is how his heart for the Lord just shows up in the sentences of like um, there's this um, there's this quote that I got from 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 one of the one of the uh, powerpoints <laughs> powerpoint because there's a power in his point. He said something like. Um, our messiology determines our technology. So it's more of like, what message do you have and where you're going to put it in? It's going to still be the same and the impact is going to be the same. But like the, the real essence of it is like, what is the message? And if we're, we have that you know, direction of like getting it from the source, which is Christ and his love, like mm -hmm. the technology, like what York said about the technology will change. TikTok might not be here like in the future, but yeah, like there's a real impact in that, in the message, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah how about you, Anne? I, I'm totally impressed because it's basically what, what we have on hand in order to reach the world today. And TikTok is it. So um, whatever platform, you know, mm -hmm. God can use it and uh, just go for it. I feel like what he was saying is that we all have that ability and that it's free, which is amazing and that it has a global reach which is also um, really powerful and that if we do it uh, i think we should um, and then if we do and when we do that we will also be changed so we will be able to influence and impact others for christ but also be changed ourselves in the process and i, I think that's really incredible yeah i agree so for everybody who's listening to us right now, so there's something that we can all do. <laughs> so for those of you who might be just getting started on this, 
Check out more Coffee Talks episodes on Spotify or in YouTube. So God might be doing something right under your nose. So take chances to be a part of it. Yeah, and Oh, if you got an idea or if you did something, we would love to hear your stories too. If you start your own TikTok account, um, let us know how it goes. And I'm sure York Moore would also really appreciate knowing. Um, tag us in your socials because here at Indigitus, we're about helping you reach your world. We get excited about all the different ways you do this right where you are. So have a great day and see you in the next episode. Yes, I have the God bless. Thank you for joining us in exploring what it looks like to make much of God's name with our gifts and talents in today's world. You can find more Coffee Talks here or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you like more content like these, you can follow Indigitus on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, even TikTok. So, see you around and let's go make disciples.